We left off last time in Romans 10, verses 8 to 10, and we were talking about how that confession precedes possession. And we were using this illustration of salvation as an example. This has always intrigued me. Romans 10, the whole chapter, because it deals with principles that are the most important principles. Salvation. And back up at I-30, I would call it the process of faith. And I would say that the process of faith to we employ to get saved will work in any area. Faith is the same in any area. Then, Pastor, why does it seem... To, I've taken this to the Lord. For example, on healing, I took this to the Lord. Why? Isn't it funny about the Lord? You can ask him things, and sometimes it's just silence. And then sometimes he just answers immediately. It's amazing. But I asked him, I said, why is it so much easier to believe and receive for financial miracles than physical healing? I mean, instantly. He said, well, that's easy. He said, because, he said, you're constantly taking action on these prosperity scriptures and giving scriptures. But he said, when was the last time you took action on pray one for another that ye may be healed? And uh, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. They shall anoint him with oil and pray over him the prayer of faith. The Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed any, committed any sin, it shall be forgiven him. Well, and then that's why I'm unusual because I'm actually learning. You know, a lot of people feel like that they've learned all they want to learn and they don't want to be bothered with any more learning, but I'm learning. And so then we adjust our services because if it's just a matter of taking action, well, we can adjust our services, right? And take, take some action. But this has always fascinated me. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Say it. Tell your neighbor. The word, the word is supposed to be, supposed to be in, your mouth in your mouth and in your heart. And it's fascinating to me how this ties together with John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you may ask whatever you wish and it will be given unto you. Done for you. This thing of abiding. And he says, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. And, and he's just pulling this right out of Deuteronomy. The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. And actually in Deuteronomy, it goes on to say that we may be careful to do it. But here, Paul doesn't get that far quoting Deuteronomy. And he says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you confess with your mouth, so the confession comes first. Fred Price used to make a joke out of being hung by the tongue. When you get married, you know, you say, I do. You know, uh, that's the clincher. In other words, it's confession. And... Uh, I was telling Sue, and I'd have to, it would take a lot of work to find it, but I was listening to a message maybe about a year back, and the speaker was talking about the healing, healing revival that preceded the healing revival after World War II. You understand, there was a healing revival after World War II, and that was the healing revival of Jack Coe, 
and A.A. Allen and Oral Roberts and that group. Well, there was a healing revival before that. And in the healing revival after World War II, the predominant method employed was the laying on of hands. In the healing revival that preceded that, the predominant method was declaration. And we're going to get into this a little bit tonight in a few minutes. But this thing, see, mental assent will never declare a thing until it's proven out. Because mental assent doesn't want to run the risk of being embarrassed. But faith, see, faith, the faith consummates in exclamation. The, the faith and the believing lead up to a declaration that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So if you can get saved doing this, well, it seems to me you could get healed doing this. seems to me you could, you could get ahead financially doing this. And somebody might say, well, should we really think of it that way? Well, apparently this is the, the procedure that Father God invented. I didn't invent it. Amen. I'm just a herald. I'm just telling you how it works. Amen? Amen? So Father God invented this. So notice that even in this most important matter of salvation, confession precedes possession. Confession precedes possession. I'm, I'm seeing somebody in the audience that is reminding me of something that's kind of cute and related to this. My, my son-in-law's brother is a sergeant detective in the Springfield, Missouri Police Department, and he's just gifted. He's just gifted. You know, uh, he was telling me a story about rolling up on this murder scene and... Uh, you know, there's no facts. In other words, you may know what happened, but knowing what happened is not being able to prove it in a court of law. But he's just gifted. He just talks these people up, you know. And uh, he gets to talking to them like he's one of them. And then they just blurt stuff out, you know. Uh, he was talking about, I don't know, Bruce Lee movies or whatever and swords and, you know, all this stuff and, you know, the, the, so the guy just blurts out, yeah, that's the move I, I made on him, man. I just, you know, I just, and before you know it, I mean, he just confessed his way into the can. Yeah. All right, now that's kind of humorous, but people confess their way into poverty. Amen. People confess their way into divorce court. People confess their way into uh, the doctor's office. And actually, people confess their way into the grave. See, and, and we can watch, you know, those shows and, you know, police videos. They're hilarious. You know, those aren't, those, aren't, those aren't my drugs. Well, they're in your pants. Well, those aren't my pants. I mean, we can be amazed at how people talk. But wait a minute. How do we talk? 
what's coming out of our mouth. See, and he says, confession is made unto salvation. So confession can lead to salvation, but confession can lead to all kinds of other stuff. Confession can lead you into divorce court. Confession can lead you into debt. Confession can lead you into prosperity. I learned a lot of this before I even got into faith. I learned a lot of this selling cookware in Springfield, Missouri on Friday night and Saturdays. And the owner of the company fed me Zig Ziglar cassettes. You don't know what that is. And uh, so, you know, I'd be listening to these cassettes on the way uh, to my first appointment on Friday evening. And he would talk about, you know, having a positive mindset and, you know, being careful about what you say. And this is from a totally secular perspective. So that truth is out there, but how many of God's people have missed it? That uh, confession precedes. Confession goes ahead of. Confession leads the way. You know, a lot of days I, I walk before the sun comes up, and it can be embarrassing because, you know, I'm out there with a flashlight, and you understand a flashlight has got a field of vision to it. And, but I can sense something moving over here. And, you know, you're a little startled because what is it? And then you point the flashlight, it's a rabbit. Then you're embarrassed. You know, you're, you're talking to the Lord. He's, why would we be embarrassed before the Lord? But, you know, we kind of are. It's not like a mountain lion. And, uh, but when alarm comes to you, can you control that? Can you control the emotion? Talk to me. Can you control the emotion? It just comes. It just comes. Or how about this? Have you noticed how terrible the driving is in 2023? And so you, you have a brand new car, right? I mean, it doesn't have a scratch on it. And then somebody's, you know, in the next lane texting or whatever they're doing, and they're just moving closer, closer, closer. You cannot control the emotions that come. But you know what we can control is our mouth. Amen. We can control what we say. We can control how we respond to situations. And confession leads. So what I've discovered is even when emotions come unbidden, I, I can successfully counteract that emotion with a confession. And it's a discipline. Actually, I think it's, it's nearly in my life. <laughs> Maybe it's evolved into a, a, an art form. You know, when we were having trouble with air conditioners, and I, you know, my first thought is, well, we'll just replace them. Then we found out what that would cost. You know, I heard what that would cost. You know, fear comes. And uh, I said, well, money will come. Amen. You just have to see, in other words, you can't control the emotion, but you can counteract the emotion by what you say. See, the confession is ahead. Confession leads the way. Confession is out in front. And your heart will follow. I said your heart will follow. Now before, when we lived in our last house, before we bought this land, actually it might have been before we were in our last house. This was a while back. And, and so we would go to 
a parade of homes or we'd go to open houses. And I just had a, a, a kind of a bad month in my investment decisions. Actually, I remember where that, I think that was on that Neiman Marcus house on Straight Lane in Dallas. And I'd never, I'd never set foot in anything like that in my life. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And so Sue went one way. You know, the woman wants to see the kitchen. Sue goes one way, I go another. And then at some point in the tour, we meet up. She saw the look on my face, and she pointed at me. She said, don't say it. Because what I was thinking was, uh, I, I'll never live in a place like this. That's what I was thinking. But today, if they gave it to me, I'd, I'd give it to the Faith Christian Center. I wouldn't even live, I mean, I wouldn't even spend the night there. But my point is, at that moment in time, that was like so far out there. And, and I wasn't doing that great in investments. I thought, man, I'll never live in a place like this. But she saw the look on my face, and she said, she pointed at me, which is kind of rude. She pointed at me. She said, don't let, don't, don't, don't say it. Because see, when you, when you say it, you're sealing the deal. You're signing for the package. I mean, if FedEx showed up at your front door tomorrow and there's a box, and you don't know what's in it. You don't remember ordering anything and you can hear it's full of rattlesnakes. Would you sign for it? I said, would you sign for it? But people do this all the time, spiritually, when it comes to pain, when it comes to symptoms, when it comes to not enough. Ever been laid off? I've been laid off twice. Ever been, I, I got both hands up. Let me see the hands of everybody, everybody ever been laid off. Yeah. What comes, what's going to come out of your mouth? I mean, we didn't know anything. But I remember going home, you know, I don't know about the first time, but the second time, you know, I went home. I told Sue, well, I'll get a better job. Maybe it was the, the life experience because after I got laid off the first time, I got a better job. I got laid off the second time. Well, now I've learned. I'll get a better job. But what comes out of your mouth? See, your confession is your goal setter. Your confession sets your vision. Your confession points your attention in a particular direction. I have a friend that pastors in Houston. He pioneered a church. He, he's still down there. He pastors. And I remember he worked on my dad's uh, used car lot. He wrecked a car one day. And so he, he brings this car back to the dealership. It's wrecked. And, uh, you know, he, he gives them whatever story he gave them. And then we get off to the side, and I said, okay, what happened? He said, well, there was this pretty girl walking down this, the sidewalk, and he said, I was looking at her, and he said, I just, just started going that way, and, and I hit the car next to me, the lane next to me. It's true driving, right, that you, you go where you look. Well, that's what confession does. Confession sets the direction of your vision. Direction sets what you're focused on. Sue is reminding me the other day of, it's a song, but it's in the Psalms, uh, that God is the lifter of our heads. See, that's what faith does. 
the gals just came back from this ladies' retreat. Remember Kathy Mink telling us there's no church in America that does ladies' retreats like Faith Christian Center. We, we, we take the people to places where they can what? Lift up their head. Because if you can't see it, you can't believe God for it. If you can't see it, you can't get there. And confession is a similar thing. It's, it gives us a point of direction. So confession precedes possession. Say it out loud. Confession, confession. precedes possession. possession. Now, you do not have eternal life until you confess the lordship of Jesus and your confidence in his substitutionary work. There's no possession without action. Say it out loud. There's no possession without action. There's no possession without action. And believing is acting on the word of God. Say it out loud. Believing, believing. is acting on the word of God. And acting on the Word of God actually is your confession. Say it out loud. Acting on the Word of God, word of God is, actually is actually my confession. My confession. You go to the, I mentioned this Sunday, you go to the book of Hebrews, that Faith Hall of Fame, and it, Abraham believed God, Noah believed God, all these people believed God, Moses believed God, but it says what they did. So acting on the Word of God is your confession. You know, there's a man in the church and his business has to do with private planes. And I remember when he was working for some other folks, it was kind of hard to witness to those folks where he used to work because every time the plane came in the shop owned by one of the biggest ministries in America, his coworkers were asking about why does it have this wine bar? See, your, your, your life, your actions are your confession. What you're doing is your confession. It's actually your declaration. And so we have to guard our mouths. It can be a real challenge in 2023 because the culture has sunk so low. And you, you might have somebody working at the house or somebody, and, and you, you, know, you, you just have to watch your mouth because by what you do and by what you say, that is a declaration of who you are. You're supposed to be a Christian. Amen. It can be a real challenge. Confession is acting on the Word of God. Say it out loud. Confession, Confession. is acting on the Word of God. Word of God. So I'm trying to get home to you that these are synonymous. Acting on the Word of God is not the only way. Let me, let me back up. Confession is not the only way we can take action on the Word of God, but confession is one way we can take action on the Word of God. And then think about how people spray weed killer over their own lives and even over their own actions because it, let's say somebody tithes. They, they never heard about tithing. And so they hear about tithing and they tithe. What are you saying? What are you saying while you're taking action on the word of God? Because you can do the right action and then kill it by what you say later. 
People do this. And I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times we've, we've, we pioneered this church 39 and a half years ago. I've heard people say, you know, I, I never had any trouble from the devil until I started coming to Faith Christian Center. Well, there's two problems with that. Number one is the fact that you said that. And then also, you're telling me that you have never been dangerous. Because Satan's not going to mess around with somebody who's not dangerous. You know, if somebody is headed to hell, he doesn't need to do anything about them. They're already, they're on a glide path to a wrong eternity. Amen. Or some Christian that's never winning anybody to Jesus, not making any money, never giving any money. What does he have to be concerned about them for? But you start hearing the word, you start taking action on the word, well, now you come up on his radar. Because the, he doesn't want, imagine 10 million Americans all of a sudden getting turned on to the word and speaking the word and uh, getting their houses paid off. He doesn't want that because he wants all the money and all the media and all the news networks, all of it controlled by his people. Can you see that? You know, one here, one there. I don't even know of a Christian billionaire except the Hobby Lobby guy. So, okay, well, there's one. But what? he doesn't want a hundred. What would be the ramifications? And so when somebody gets turned on to the Word of God, they start taking action on the Word of God, trouble comes. Well, that's no big deal. You just have to know how to handle it. I said, that's no big deal. You just have to know how to handle it. We were at a gas station on a turnpike in uh, Florida. And Sue's in this little store, and I'm putting gas in the car. And, uh, you know, somebody approaches me. I said, I wouldn't do it. And they keep coming. I said, I wouldn't do it. They keep coming. And I just did this. I said, I wouldn't do it. Then they, they go bother somebody else. And that's the way I handle the devil. Now, look, I tell, told them just the other day, you know, I had pain in my right foot. I mean, it felt like somebody was driving a knife through it. I said, look, I don't have time to deal with you right now. I'm trying to go to sleep. I said, we've been through all of this. I said, now, if I need to, I'll get up and I'll just read the word to you and run you off. So I said, why don't we just skip to the end and you go bother somebody else right now. And the pain went away. Now, if it's not spiritual, why would that work? If it's not spiritual, why would that work? It has to be spiritual, right? Yeah. But see, my posture is not, oh, why is all this happening to me? Because I'm praying and studying the word. Oh, why does he not leave me alone? That's not my posture. My posture is, I wouldn't do it. In other words, I'm not going to be messed with. Can you see that? See, if you know who you are and you know what the word says, you're not, you're not, concerned about him 
you know, sticking his big hairy toe over the line because you know what to do about it. Can I get an amen? amen? And I think God's people have completely underestimated how evil Satan is. So let it be a fixed fact in your mind that confession is proof of faith. Say it out loud. Confession, confession. is proof of faith. There's no believing that does not climax in confession. Somebody hears just last Sunday at 9 o'clock, three people walked the aisle. See, confession is a, is a climax of faith. You believe it until you declare it. Confession is faith expressing itself. Confession is faith expressing itself. So believing and confession are practically the same thing nearly the same thing. For all practical purposes, they are the same thing. Paul wrote, I didn't bring the reference, I believed and therefore have I spoken. You see that? Actually, he was quoting David. I believed and therefore have I spoken. Now that doesn't mean we just make crazy stuff up. You've noticed that I've not been. Let me ask this. How many, how many were at I-30 before we owned this land? Let me see your hand. If you were at I-30 before we owned this land. All right. So I have not been as crazy in my confessions regarding phase two as I was back in those days. And that's an example of me just not saying stuff to say it. There has to come a point where A or B, I have the mind of God on something and I know it, or my faith has come to a point where I can declare it. We're not just making stuff up. We're not just saying crazy stuff to see if it happens because th those same folks that raised their hand they were here in 2020, and in April of 2020, in the Holy Week revival, I stood up there and I said some crazy things about COVID passing this congregation by, and it all came to pass. Amen. I had the mind of God on it. Can you see that? Yeah. And that's why, that's why we have to go back to verses like John 15, 7, where Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, there's, there's this abiding factor. See, confession needs to come up. A confession needs to bubble up out of a heart filled with faith, a heart filled with the word of God to where the confession is not just bloviating. It's not just crazy talk. You know, it's sad, but I don't know that we've ever had a person go off to Bible school successfully and come back and be of any value whatsoever. And we had a girl go off to Bible school years ago, and, and she came back. She went two years, graduated, came back, and I said, well, what are you going to do now? And I, th I just, silly me, I thought she'd say, well, you know, I, I'm going to help in Sunday school, or I'm going to help the youth minister, or, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out for, uh, to sing on the stage or play an instrument or whatever. Oh, no. 
She said, I'm, I'm believing God for $5 million to open up a coffee shop in Deep Ellum. Well, this is, this is crazy talk because she didn't have two nickels to rub together. I said, okay. I said, that's great. I said, what are you going to do in the meantime? I'm believing God for $5 million to open up a, coffee, a Christian coffee shop in Deep Ellum. I said that, you know, I'm patient <laughs> and I'm kind. And I said, that's great. But what are you going to do in the meantime? Well, I'm, a, I'm believing God for, and I, uh, then I gave up. Three strikes, you know, that's it. So that's just crazy talk. I doubt she's believed in, you know, a lot of people, Dad Hagen, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said a lot of people, if all of their faith went off at one time, there wouldn't be enough power released to blow their nose. You know, I, I, doubt, I doubt she's believed in $5,000 to this day. So who knows what happened? You have, to have the, you have to have the mind of God. And the way we get the mind of God is to get in that book and meditate on that book, meditate on the Word of God that covers our situation and build it in. Amen. Because that's what he said. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. you. You can ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. And of course, you know, people are being taught now by the heretics they don't have to do anything, and so they don't get anything. But by your confession, I know where you are, and by your confession, I know who you are. And mental assent does not dare confess. Mental assent plays it safe. Mental assent wishes to be sure of results first. So it always stands on the negative side of the issue. Caution. Mental assent never wins. Mental assent is never a success. Mental assent is the voice of the senses, the mind of the senses. Mental assent is the mind of the flesh. Faith is from the mind of your spirit, your recreated spirit dominating your reasoning faculties. Now, I've, I've done a good job on this. I haven't on other things. But, I, you know, when we do a challenge offering, there's always two numbers come to your mind. There's a, there's a number that your spirit man has, and there's a number that your mind comes up with. These are completely different. And 30 years back, you know, I would have to go through the struggle and work through the process and come to a conclusion to do what my spirit man was saying or what the Spirit of God was saying and not what my mind was saying. But... In the last decade or so, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I just go immediately with what the Spirit of God is saying. That's it. Done. And what I've noticed is then I get, I get answers quicker and, and my needs are met faster. Actually, we don't have any needs. Think about it. What kind of church do you come to? I just found out yesterday that we're having to replace four compressors at one time, air conditioning compressors, and literally, see, most churches... They, they would bother you with that. They would make that an offering. And the pastor would stand up and tell a heart-wrenching story. And like Oral Roberts would, used to say, would, the pastor would use a stomach pump to receive an offering. And it would all be a gut-wrenching experience for the whole congregation. But see, we're in a church. We don't even care. You know, when they told me the number, my first thought was, well, why is that number so high? They said four compressors. I said, okay, the money's coming. 
Amen. It's, it's, it, it, this didn't happen automatically with me. I don't, I'm not trying to misrepresent anything. In the 30 years ago, I had to work through this process. You've heard me tell the story. This would never happen today. But we gave Bud Sickler the half million dollars it took from February of 1997. I don't know, a year and a half, two years, I'd have to look it up. And then January of 2000, he calls, hey, partner. Whenever I heard those words, I thought, oh, this got, what's this going to cost me? Hey, partner. Well, they couldn't get the steel in to Kenya duty-free from South Africa like they thought. It's going to be another $100,000. You've heard me tell this story. I had to work through that. 2000, what would I have been? 44, well, no, January, 44 years old. Yeah, I had to work through it. But numbers don't bother me anymore. What's a number to God? What difference does it make? Yeah, but that's expensive. I've learned he's not concerned about it. Seek ye first his kingdom and all of these things shall be added unto you. Nothing in there about don't cross 100K. There's no limits. Seek ye first his kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. No limit, no governor, no, uh, no uh, stop. This is walking by faith. Now listen, I've said this a thousand times and I know people just let it go in one ear and out the other ear, but I would highly recommend exercising your faith and learning how it works on money because you can't die exercising your faith on money. But we have people all the time and they have never tried to believe God for anything. And then the doctor give them some bad news and they want to walk by faith. This is difficult. So I would highly recommend practicing. What's wrong with practicing? Anybody ever here learned how to play golf or tennis? What does it take to learn how to play golf or tennis? You have to what? Practice. You got to practice. And somebody might say, well, that, that seems like such a silly notion. Well, why not? Relative to everything else, money's not that important. Now, you're sitting here tonight judging me. Oh, man, you know, he's out of it. You know, man, he's, he's on Pluto. He has no idea what he's talking about because, you know, uh, the price of eggs and the price of gas. The, I am completely aware of all of this. Trust me. I'm dialed in. More than you know. They're building, about a half a mile from me, they're building tract homes that are going for two-thirds of a million bucks. 
But we have heretics out here telling young people, it doesn't matter what you do. Now I don't now I think it's very convenient that these heretics they all have their mansions and they all have their private jets and they all have their mega buildings. But when I when I just in curiosity drive through a neighborhood and look at tract houses going for two thirds of a million dollars, your pastor is thinking about the young people of Faith Christian Center and oh my gosh, what's it going to take? Amen. And I, 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 I could come to no conclusion but this, they're going to need an edge. Yes. Because we can't all be vice president and get bribes from the Ukraine. <laughs> Amen. Preach it. We can't all do coke in the White House and get away with it. <laughs> I mean, are you hearing? Is anybody hearing me tonight? Amen. I mean, we're just talking about average Joe Schmo is going to need an edge. Right? And the best edge I know of is my daddy. Almighty God. El Shaddai, the Ancient of Days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's my perspective. Oh, Pastor, you know, I went down to this church over there and they told me I didn't have to do anything. Great. See how that works out with your wife. See how that works out on the job. See how that works out in your garden. See how that works out in your yard. It's amazing what people will believe. You know, now there's all these studies showing that the masks did nothing. But remember when Fauci said to wear two of them. We were somewhere in July and people still wearing a mask. But they've, I mean, study after study after study prove it didn't do anything. But it's just amazing to me what people will believe. But, but this right here, these are the words of God. And there's never been one archaeological discovery that has compromised what I hold in my hand right here. Not one. Not one. The mind of the senses is spiritually dead. And there's a real price. It, um, I, just in the last few days, I, I, just, I, just, I, just could, I just took everything I could to not cry because, you know, you hear the story of a wonderful Christian that, from another state and they get bad news and they haven't been taught. It's, to me, it is heartbreaking. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to believe God. Nobody ever taught them. Been in church their whole life and don't know the first thing about what to do. 
And when you don't know what to do, who do you turn to? The world. And I know one thing about the world. They're going to make money on you coming, and they're going to make money on you going. And if it doesn't work out, too bad, so sad. We'll see you next time. And it's a heartbreak for me because, you know, I'm doing everything I can every seven days to get you the word. You know, my children can be cruel sometimes. I remember I ordered a toolbox. And Austin said to his mother, what is he going to do with a toolbox? <laughs> well, I told him, because when, when I heard this, this came around the horn, I said, you have to have the tools in case you need them. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to be using them every day. But on occasion, old Dr. Gene will get a screwdriver out or something to do whatever. But if you don't have the toolbox, there's no possibility of getting the tool out to do what you need to do. And that's where a lot of Christians are in their spiritual lives across the earth. Because nobody ever taught them the word of God to help them have a toolbox to know what to do in a given situation. Can you see that? See, if you don't have the tool, you can't use it. You don't even have the possibility of fixing what is wrong. People come to my house to do work and sometimes more, probably more often plumbers than anybody else and they'll just say, I don't have the tool for that. I'll be back. We'll go to lunch. We'll be back. So whether they buy it or whether they go back to the shop, I don't know, but you hear this sometimes. I don't have the tool for that. This should be our attitude when we come up against something that we have not faced before or something that seems like it's beyond our ability in faith, that should be our attitude. I don't have the tool for this, but I'll be right back. I'm going to go get the tool for this. Amen. And I'm going to be back. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. Because there's a way to get through it. There's a way to win. There's a way to prevail. There's a way to succeed. There's a way where it seems like there is no way. 1 Corinthians 2.14 describes this man who walks by the senses. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. This is Wednesday night, but if I did this exact same message on a Sunday morning, I'm sure there'd be people thinking, man, that's foolishness. He's talking foolishness, but it works. Sue's dad was in a, you know, they would come periodically, but after one particular message up at I-30, we go to lunch and he told me, he said, I don't understand what you teach because at that point he was unsaved. He said, I don't understand what you teach, but he said, I see that it works. Well, at least he was honest. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them. That's why I would highly recommend uh, you know, there's no point in trying to witness to unsaved relatives by talking to them about sowing and reaping. They're just going to think, you lost it. 
Start with simple concepts. Jesus. Keep it simple. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. He can't understand them. He can't understand them. And I'll tell you something else, too. The people of God can get themselves in a mess trying to understand them. Because I've had people, I've been doing this 50 years now, and their perspective is, when I understand it, I'll do it. I don't need to understand any of it. When you get home, either a button on your car or a button on a visor, you're probably going to hit a button and your garage door will open. How many of you understand how that works? My hand's not up. There, there, are, there are some people here tonight understand how that works. How many understand how that works? Okay, three. Okay, so the fact that you don't understand how that works, does that keep you from using the button? Do you even care how it works? Do you even give a rip how it works? No. But what happens when it stops working? <laughs> you get help. So how many things in your life do you use and you don't understand how they work? But when it comes to God, we got to have a diagram. We got to have proof. We got to have evidence. We got to have 15 witnesses. But when it comes to the world, we'll trust them. And we don't understand how these things work. doesn't matter to us how it works. You don't have to understand anything in the Bible to make it work. You don't. You just have to take action. And what is it? What is required to take action? Talk to me. What is required to take action? Faith. He said it. I believe it. That's good enough for me. Which makes, which sounds foolish to people of a carnal mindset. And when, when we're talking about 1 Corinthians 2.14, we're not just talking about lost people. We're talking about carnal Christians. They have not been taught the word. They, they have no idea. And, and it's sad to me, but how many are in church and all they ever hear is John 3.16? So they have been taught to have faith for salvation, but nobody ever taught them to have faith for anything else. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So if you don't have enough word in you on any given topic, well, you're not going to understand it's only the word in you that gives you the ability to understand. It's all a heartbreak to me. All these pastors going for all the newest thing, you know, it's amazing to me. I, I, I don't need, I, I don't need to have a degree in psychology. I, I don't need, I don't need anything to understand that what the world's peddling is nonsense. 
See, they, they look at what we're teaching, the Bible, and they would say, well, that's foolishness. Well, it's not nearly as foolish as what they're doing. Amen. There's nothing in the Bible. See, it wasn't like this. You know, when we started out, there were some things in the Bible that just seemed like crazy. Like lifting your staff up and the Red Sea parting. Well, that's not half as crazy as what goes on in June. I mean, there are things when we started out, you read in the Bible and you think, man, that's out there. But now it just seems completely normal to what we see with our eyes going on around us. So God, I submit to you, is the easiest person to believe now. The Bible is the easiest thing. Think about what they're, they're, they're teaching at the most expensive universities in America, things that are not true and cannot be true and could not in any parallel universe be true. But they're teaching things in the most expensive universities in the land that make no sense whatsoever. But when it comes to, when it comes to God, when it comes to the Bible, people, well, I, you know, I have trouble with that. Well, put a skirt on, it all makes sense. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Amen. Lift both hands, look up to heaven, and say what Jesus said in John 17, 17. Father, Father thy word is truth. Thy 